0: This episode of the Spokane Soccer Show is brought to you by Feast World Kitchen. If you know, you know, if you don't know, I'm about to tell you. Think authentic mouth-watering cuisine from all over the world delivered to your mouth right here in downtown Spokane. Here's the part you might not have known. Feast is a nonprofit that effectively creates chef entrepreneurs by offering a bunch of programs where immigrants and former refugees learn career skills, earn income from their food sales, and build connections in the community. Quick sidebar, I still have daydreams about the beef sambusas and the spicy jollof rice that we had during the AFCON watch party in January, but don't take my word for it. Head down to Feast World Kitchen on 3rd Avenue, follow them on Instagram, or go to their website at feastworldkitchen.org. And now, on with the show. This is the Spokane Soccer Show, and I am still your host, Benji Wade. On today's show, I'm joined by Brandon Mays of USL League One Review. We're going to talk about all 16 players who've been signed so far by Spokane Velocity FC. So this episode's going to be a thick one. And I don't mean the British slang thick, which, by the way, means you're stupid. I mean Urban Dictionary 2Cs thick. But you saw the runtime. You downloaded it. You clicked play. Just chill. Pour yourself two fingers of bourbon or pull two shots of espresso. I'm not judging your indulgences. Relax and let this content fill your ear holes, okay? Before we meet our guest, I just wanted to share a couple updates. Everybody knows that the Spokane Velocity are playing some preseason games, right? They went down to Arizona, played a couple games against USL championship teams. They also had a friendly here in Spokane against the under-23 Spokane Shadow. I saw a part of that game, and it was about what you'd expect. It was the first time that the Velocity had actually played together in any kind of competitive setting. They scored a couple goals, including one by Grayson DuPont. And I think the Spokane shadow should feel really good as well, like whether or not it's the Velocity's first game together, the gulf between professional soccer players and amateur players is larger than most people think. But here's the news everybody should be really excited about. The Velocity also played a couple preseason friendlies in Arizona against two USL Championship teams. USL Championship, of course, is the league that's one tier above League One, where Velocity play well they tied both those games 1-1 against sacramento republic 1-1 against phoenix rising of course phoenix rising are defending league champions from last year luis hill scored the goal against phoenix rising and one of the players who's trialing with the club scored the goal against sacramento republic either way these are massively exciting results and i can't wait to go see them play tacoma defiance march 2nd in tri-cities It's going to be amazing. So go get your ticket if you haven't done that yet. Oh, and if you didn't know, uh, the Tacoma Defiance are the MLS Next Pro team that's affiliated with the Seattle Sounders. So we really want to win that game. All right, let's meet our guest. Brandon Mays is a consultant with USL League Two Club, Minneapolis City SC. He's also a supporter of the Greenville Triumph, which is a rival of Spokane Velocity in USL's League One. Brandon is also a coffee roaster, and who doesn't like people who roast coffee? He's the guy behind a fantastic resource called USL League One Review. That's actually how I got to know Brandon, and he was kind enough to join me this past weekend. We talked about all 16 players who've been signed so far for the Spokane Velocity FC, and I also want to shout out Kaylor Hodges for his contributions to this episode. Kayler is the host of The USL Show, a podcast that you can follow on YouTube, or look for The USL Show, all one word, on Twitter at long last i am here with the brandon mays it's happening we're doing this usl league one review You can find this gentleman on Instagram, but I think mostly Twitter. Is that right? Uh, I think it's
1: literally USLL1Review.
0: All right. So tell me about your, like, what's going on with you in the USL? You have a job currently as a consultant. Like, what are you doing and who is it for?
1: Yeah. So I have been working with Minneapolis City as a data analyst since 2022, early 2022. And I've uh, really enjoyed that process working with their USL2 team. And then last year, I worked primarily with their UPSL team uh, with the Future squad. So, a lot of their younger players in their academy um, doing some performance and data analysis with them. So, uh, yeah, it's just been a, an awesome way to grow and uh, kind of develop, get my chops going as far as uh, analysis goes and, and understanding the game better uh, through the eyes of some really talented coaches. So So it's Minneapolis City FC. They're in USL's
0: League 2, correct? correct? Mm -hmm. Which is the pre-professional development league for the USL. The equivalent on the women's side is the USLW League. I'm constantly reminding our listeners of this because the USL system is is vast. There's many different leagues that are all interoperating. So I just want to make sure everybody kind of has a context. So... Exactly. um, Okay. And then... But you live in Greenville. Mm -hmm. And you support... Which team? I support the Greenville Triumph. Yeah. Okay. About 20 minutes from there, from the stadium. Which is a rival of the Spokane Velocity in League One. So (laughs) you and I will be frenemies, but we're going to dive in. So I'll give a quick background on how you and I started to, to touch base with one another. I got invited, as one does, the moment you... Throw your name out there as somebody who's going to get interest in podcasting or talking about any USL matters, any USL teams, players, anything. The community finds you. And that's what ended up happening. I got pulled into some group chats on Twitter. Brandon was in there. And I quickly found out by following his page on Twitter that he had all the goods. And by the goods, I mean like analysis, data, and um, performance characteristics of different players and teams. And so this is all new to me. And you are going to take us on a voyage through the players that have been signed so far by Spokane Velocity FC. And let's get after it because we have a lot to talk about. There's 16 players currently, as of the date of date of this recording, which is February 18th, 2024, the year of our Lord, the first year that the Spokane Velocity are ever gonna play in League One. They've made 16 official signings that they've announced. I think they have a couple more that they're probably gonna announce in the, in the coming week. They've got at least an, another 10 players that they can announce and sign. So without further ado, we're going to dive right in. And what we're going to do is we're going to just give a little bit of a snapshot and background on each of these players. We're going to go one at a time and we'll go through all 16 players. And then we have a treat at the end. We're going to try to assemble what we think will be coach Lee Viedman's first 11. It's going to be total speculation, total nonsense, complete bullshit, but we're going to have fun doing it. All right. First up, we're going to start it, the position of forward. I don't have any reason as to why I organize this list this way, but we're going to start with Mr. Josh Doling. Josh Doling, six foot two, one hundred and eighty-five pound forward. He's twenty-six years old. You're going to hear that number a lot. A lot of these players just happen to be twenty-six years old. There's probably a reason for that. He grew up in Hillingdon, London. That's where I mean, think Heathrow Airport. Heathrow Airport is in the Hillingdon borough um, of London near London. He was an academy player with Blackburn, Burnley, and Manchester United. Um, In 2017, he came to the United States and played college soccer for Missouri State University. You are also going to hear Missouri State University many times on this podcast. He was a three-time All-American, a four-time All-Missouri Valley Conference player. He had 40 goals and 14 assists in 82 appearances as a college player. I will just tell you right now, if you don't know those numbers, that is prolific. Anything approaching half a goal per appearance is, I would say, considered exceptional in the sport of soccer. Think Michael Owen. Didier Drogba. They averaged half a goal in appearance as professional players. Um, Players like Messi and Ronaldo, they averaged like .75 goals uh, per appearance. In 2022, he played for the St. Louis City 2, which is an MLS Next Pro team. He made 25 appearances for St. Louis City 2 and uh, scored 9 goals and had 3 assists in about 2,000 minutes of time played. Uh, In 2023, he joined New Mexico united and that's a usl championship team made 17 appearances scored four goals had three assists one of those games was a second round of the u.s open cup where he had a hat trick against an academy team you know it's i they're called uda i had never heard of this team but that's the beauty of the u.s open cup that's a topic for another day because the news just does not get any better brandon oh my goodness what's up with us open cup bro it's getting worse MLS. What are you doing, MLS? Go home. You're super drunk, MLS.
1: Ugh. I really expected it to be NISA. And then they brought that news out like, oh, it's all MLS. It's like, of course.
0: Yeah, not, not pretty. Doling also scored a goal for uh, New Mexico United in their... Uh, the only goal in their 2-1 loss to Phoenix Rising in the third round of the U.S. Open Cup. In 2023, he was loaned out to the Las Vegas Lights, played about 500 minutes in 13 appearances, logged a sing- a single assist but no goals, and that's what I have. I want to ask you, Brandon, give me your thoughts on Mr. Josh Doling.
1: Yeah, Josh is interesting because he's similar to some of the other players here where, you know, obviously he had a super prolific college career. Uh, he came out of college looking like he was ready to take on, take on American soccer and, uh, you know, just a rough, slightly rough 2023 kind of derailed that a bit. I'm sure he's looking to get back on track. The thing about Josh is that, you know, he he's really good at occupying defenders, so he like he he's really good at sitting on the line. He's gonna make space for a lot of the attacking attacking mm-hmm. midfield probably Luis Heel. We'll hold off on that one. He's going to make a lot of space for people between the line just because he's going to be really good at occupying those center backs. And the thing about him is when they don't pay attention, he makes really excellent runs in behind. Hmm. But uh, when he when they do pay attention, he's really good at holding the ball up. He's a, he's a classic proper English striker, right? Like big guy, can hold the ball well, and he's, he's got a good shooting foot as well. So... Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of his role on the team you know, at St. Louis. He was playing in a two. Um, he actually had his two best games uh, for New Mexico in a two with Greg Hurst. Uh, so before. when you're saying he was playing in two, you're saying he was playing with two up front. He
0: was the number nine. And then there was a second striker.
1: Correct. Okay. So there was someone else. He was kind of playing that hold up role. And someone else was making runs in behind him. And so he actually had his best game was with him and Greg Hurst up top for New Mexico United. And he got a hat trick of assists that game uh and okay. like oh my gosh it's it's good yeah, totally. and then he got loaned out to Las Vegas like 3 weeks later. Yeah, really really interesting um really interesting guy, but I think he's got a lot of really good tools that are going to be fantastic if he can, you know, kind of settle in. And he has a clear path.
0: He's the clear number 9 and just like that is his role. I I had very similar uh perspective having um, done my research and and talked to a couple people. One other thing we're going to do on this podcast together is um, our friend Kayler Hodges of USL Show. We're going to give a couple notes from him. This is this is something <laughs> that Kayler said about him. Pretty standard number nine. Good ability to connect with players via hold up play. Brandon just said something quite similar. Showed some real composure in what he did off the ball in college. At New Mexico, he didn't do much, but so much of that came down to the system around him. Feed Doling and he will provide. He's a player I want to see grow because he can be truly special. That's what Kaler thinks. And, you know, I did get to see very unofficially by standing outside of a fence at our new stadium, a part of our, uh, a recent um, scrimmage against a local under 23 side. And I did see some, some glimpses of this. He's very physical. He is the type of player that wants to put his hat on a ball. If he gets service from the wings and he gets crosses whipped into him, he'll be dangerous on corners. He is, he is a, a fairly big player at six foot two, 185 pounds. Um, clearly, physical, likes to play physical. Prototypical target guy, as Brandon said. He is a, a proper number nine, um, likes to play as his back to goal, likes to put a body on defenders, likes to play wall passes to wingers and midfielders, very much of an aerial threat. That's it for for Josh. Any final thoughts before we move on? I think that's good. Okay, I'm going to go to the other end of the corner about a player who we probably won't know a whole hell of a lot about, but let's go for it. Player is I've got him under forward. I don't even think he's necessarily going to play forward. I don't even know what position this player is going to play. Pierre Reedy. Six foot, 165 pounds, 26 years old. Again, that number is going to come up many times. Grew up in Town, Pennsylvania. He was a state champion in high school. He played in the New York Red Bulls Academy. Went to Penn State for college, made the all-freshman team. He was a red shirt because he had two ACL tears, which don't know if it was in uh, each leg, but I always assume it was. All-American third team, made all Big Ten first team. He was at Reading United AC three years during college. Reading United AC is another of many USL League 2 teams that you will hear about. Um, USL League 2 is a uh, is a league where, again, pre-professional. Lots of college players will do their summer months uh, playing for those teams and then they'll go back to college. In 2022, he signed his first professional contract with Real Salt Lake. In 2023, he played with Dundee in Scotland's second tier of the Scottish Championship and made four appearances for them. In 2023, he signed with the Charleston Battery and played with Lee Viedman, who was assistant coach there. And that's what I have. Let's take Brandon's temperature. Do you have anything on Pierre Reedy?
1: From what I know about him, he's just kind of, he's a pretty versatile guy. Um, Could probably play forward a little bit. Charleston, you know, traditionally very defensive minded. And so, wouldn't hurt to have someone like him who uh, you know could play play as that right winger who's still really, really defensive um, as well as playing right back.
0: I have similar notes. I just wrote he's clearly a versatile player, wing back, midfielder, can play on either side. He played as a center back once in a three two loss with with when he was with the Rail Monarchs. Here is what Kayler has to say: as a winger option at Charleston, Reedy was often he was just lost his place to players like Traeger, Markinich, and Barajas. I don't know those players, but obviously. Um, Folks who follow USL do. That doesn't mean that there wasn't a quality player there. He's a technical player who could do it all with a ball at his feet, much like Grayson DuPont. These are uh, Kaler's words, by the way. The only thing missing was the end product of a goal that should come from match time that he'll almost certainly get at Spokane. I'm not sure about that. We'll see what signings they make. I, I still feel like a lot of these players that since they've only made 16 signings, some of these players will end up being rotational um or there'll be backups but yeah any parting thoughts about Pierre Reedy
1: yeah no i i kind of agree with you there like he could end up making getting some quality minutes but you know w- with the number of sign like the number of spaces you have left it's very likely that you know some mls players dropping down you know yep. from camps are are looking for spots and i guarantee especially with that Swahey money, all of a sudden y'all got like, y'all are probably looking for some really high quality players on that right wing. So,
0: okay. <laughs> this next one's going to be super fun. Kamarni Smith. That was the most recent signing that was announced, actually, uh, last Friday. So it's only a couple days old, this news. Six foot one, 161 pound forward, 25 years old, born in Nottingham, played for Basford United as a youth player. He signed a professional contract with Sheffield United at age 17, came to the United States at age 20 to play soccer at Clemson University, where he made 63 appearances, scored 26 goals, had 11 assists and was a 2019 second team all-american first team all acc he was the 2020 acc tournament mvp and was taken fourth overall by dc united in the mls super draft in 2021 made 22 appearances one start for dc united only played 491 minutes was used as as a sub at left back in a zero zero draw against the Red Bulls. I thought that stood out as interesting. Uh, then went on went on loan with Loudoun United for twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, where he made twenty nine appearances, twenty six starts, scored three goals, didn't have any assists. And then found his way to crown legacy FC of the MLS Next Pro team. That's the affiliate of uh, Charlotte FC, if, if memory serves. Is that right? And then they signed him in 2023. He made eight appearances, started twice, only had 225 minutes total. Um. Yeah, this is a really interesting player. Uh, I'll, t- I'll take your temperature now, Brandon. What do you have on Kamarni Smith?
1: This is the, one of the most interesting ones because he's just an enigma. I mean, he was so talented. I mean, you know, I, he, he played down the road for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just an absolutely talented player that had a huge future. And there's not really a good reason why he and fell off isn't the right word because, you know, you got to find your place, right? You yeah. know, you don't settle into the right place. You're not good going to, you're just not going to succeed no matter, no matter how talented you are. Um, and I think that's kind of where it's been is, you know, he's, he's jumped from DC United to Loudon during one of their not great periods. Um, and, uh, and then on the crown legacy where he just really didn't even find his feet. He's got to find his feet. He's a really talented attacker. He can play across the front three, and um, I think you'll see him, you know, played out wide and up up top in the center. Some, um, but if he can find his feet, there is an absolutely insane attacker in there. Yeah.
0: One of the questions I have is: Can he can he make a pass? Is he? Is he capable of link play? Can he obviously he can play anywhere up front, but does he have right. that ability? Because you mentioned at the, at the first player we covered with Josh Doling. It's like, could he be a second striker if if Viedman wanted to play two up front at times? Like, does he have that type of capacity? Or is he just most likely going to be played on either wing and generate from there?
1: I think he does have that capability somewhat, but I think he offers something different than Josh. He's not going to be that guy that gets into the into the mixa if you mm-hmm. will, and he's not going to, he's not going to do that kind of thing. He's going to offer, if he goes, if he goes up top, he's going to probably be making a lot more runs to the channels and things like that than Josh would do. I think the one he,
0: goal uh, I found on the internet when I was researching Kamarni Smith uh, for DC United was a goal exactly like that. Yeah. Got behind the line, beat the defenders, played it around the keeper, beautiful finish, but it was, I think, <laughs> might be the only goal that he scored as a professional for DC United.
1: I think it would be really interesting to see him play off of Josh yeah um that would be if he was gonna play striker that's what I would like to see most uh unless there's just someone who you know obviously got louis he'll feeding him mm-hmm. uh, and if he can if louis he'll can find space and um and kind of attract players to make space for kamarney then I think that would be big too
0: okay. We have the same feelings about this player can play anywhere up front. Massive upside. Uh, I don't have examples and I wish I did. I could probably dig through my brain a little bit to the archives, but this happens all the time for people who pay attention to the premier league. You just never know when these players at this type of upside, they get into the right system. They find a coach who believes in them, puts them in the, the best, you know, situation to succeed and things can happen. But the player has to meet meet that um, opportunity halfway, of course. So here's yeah. what Kaler had to say. Smith is a solid attacking force who can go anywhere across the front line. He was part of the recent Clemson wave who's now taking over college soccer. While he's not a bonafide goal scorer, he will put pressure on the keeper. There's talent there that just hasn't been tapped into. So I think we're all excited, but anything can happen. I don't think it would surprise us. Okay, we're moving into the midfield. So we got through the forwards because there's not that many of them. And I'm not even sure Pierre Reedy's a forward. So here we go. The midfield is pretty deep on this team so far. We're going to talk about Mr. Morgan Hackworth, 1-inch, 155-pound midfielder. He's 27 years old and he grew up in Pennsylvania. His dad's a well-known and experienced manager, former player named John Hackworth. Uh, he spent his youth career with Philadelphia Union, where his dad was a coach. He started college his college career with Syracuse, then transferred to the University of Akron, where he had 42 appearances and scored four goals. In 2017, he made a total of 12 appearances for Tampa Bay Rowdies under-23 team and USL2 Club Peachtree City. The names of these USL2 teams, I have so much fun with. And every time I'm like, that, what is that team? I'm like, it's, I'm fairly certain I'm going to hover on it. And Wikipedia is going to tell me that it's a USL2 team. And sure enough, <laughs> Peachtree Peach Tree City is in USL League 2. In 2019, he signed his first professional contract with Memphis 901 of the USL Championship, where he made 19 appearances, played almost 800 minutes, and was used throughout the midfield. In 2020, he signed with San Diego Loyal and made 58 appearances, but only nine starts. He had one goal as a professional player and a 4-0 win over Hartford Athletic in the third round of the US Open Cup of 2019 but only 1,300. This is what stuck out to me, Brandon. Only 1,300 total minutes from 2020 to 2023. You know, he's 27. He's, he's not old. But you, you kind of feel like if, if Viedman believes in this player, he was one of the first two signings he made along uh, with Derek Waldeck, there's got to be opportunity here. You would hope that he brings some of that veteran class to this team and, and can really like set a tone. So what do you have on Morgan?
1: He's, again, another one of those players. I, I just don't. I have not paid attention of attention to uh, I know like you said he's been primarily a bit part player he's probably going to play mostly you know right back maybe right wing he's another versatile player similar to Pierre Reedy who can play all up and down the wings I don't really see him playing centrally um, But interesting uh, in
0: that scrimmage that I watched he was playing in the middle of the middle was? of the park
1: yeah interesting. Okay, it was
0: interesting I I, I really thought that good. was interesting
1: he's really good with the ball and so um, you know you can put somebody anywhere when they you know if they if they really want to be there and they have the skills to do it so
0: yeah if somebody's poised on ball there there's always an opportunity for a player like that so I, I have the same kind of information anywhere in the midfield maybe even fullback here's what Kaler had to say the story of Hackworth story of Spokane's roster a player with real talent who never got his chance to show out he got mostly time at right wing back in San Diego but I feel that he'll be more of a midfielder option who can play up top if needed he's a utility piece who can play anywhere in the wings attacking mid or even striker he could be a guy who plays every game but never the same place That's a pretty good summary of like, I think Gareth Smith, the sporting development consultant that they're working with in these signings with coach Lee Veedman is really sharp and might have seen something where he's like, I just think that player has been not played out of position necessarily, but has more to offer. And we could, we could give him a chance in, in midfield playing a little higher up the pitch. Who knows? Okay. I'm really intrigued by this next player, Colin Fernandez, five foot, eight, 140 pound midfielder. He's 26. He was born in a Chicago suburb. His family is Peruvian, sidebar. Uh, So is assistant coach, Renato Bustamante, Uh, signed a homegrown player contract with the Chicago Fire of the MLS as a 17-year-old. He is a really experienced player. We could spend half an hour on Collins' history as a professional soccer player because the velocity are his 11th club (laughs) since 2021. He has made 84 appearances for Austin Bold, Sporting Kansas City 2 and FC Tulsa. He was used primarily as a central defensive midfielder. Or central midfielder, the six and eight, respectively. I'm trying to get our listeners to know what the position numbers mean, the FA position numbers, but yeah. it's it's catching on slowly. But the CD the central defensive midfielder is often called the the six, and a, a central midfielder who can kind of play in attack and play in defense and just kind of a box-to-box player is called a number eight. He had five goals and eight assists in those 84 appearances that I just described, made 12 appearances for the U S uh, youth national team and seven for Peru's under 20 team. And that's what I have on Colin Fernandez. He seems like a really versatile and experienced player. What do you have Brandon?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, you nailed it. He's really experienced, really versatile. I mean, he's going to, he's going to be one of your deeper lying midfielders for sure. One of the things I love about, about him is that, you know, he's going to, he's going to sit deep. He's going to kind of be positionally smart and break up play when he needs to. But when, when your team's going to have the ball, he's going to be one of those guys who's, who's making runs, causing chaos in the midfield. And uh, that's one thing that uh, you saw at Tulsa a lot was that he was, one of those guys who was able to break play up make things happen help the team regain possession but then whenever it was time for uh, for the team to move forward he was able to you know he was able to to make space for other players or help other players break lines by uh occupying spaces uh, that opened up other spots so he's a great passer as well. Um, and so we're going to see, we'll probably see a lot of that. I, I definitely see him, you know, hypothetically probably rotating back and forth with, with someone or being that, uh, deepest lying midfielder. He's been, mm-hmm. he's played in the double pivot a lot. So with another midfielder, side by side a ton. Uh, Mm. So that's an interesting bit is that, you know, while he's been, you know, he's played six and eight, he's, uh, he's played in that double pivot. So had the opportunity to rotate a ton. Interesting. I have,
0: I think we're looking at, if I had to guess, I thought we were looking at Lee Viedman's clear starting central defensive midfielder, the, the six, but can probably play anywhere in the midfield, even on the wing. Um, he made 86 starts as a six or an eight. Um, he made 23 starts as a winger. Strong player, can put in meaningful minutes. I think the, the question of that single pivot sitting in front of the center backs or a, in a double pivot, that's that's an interesting question because I come into this with the expectation, I don't know why, probably because he's from Liverpool. He's a fan of Jurgen Klopp, that Lee Viedman will play a 4-3-3. I expect that, but I don't think it's because he's not imaginative. I just I feel like he's going to play with a, a, a single... Uh, central defensive midfielder, but I might be wrong. Maybe he will play a uh, double pivot. So when we're talking about that, I want to make sh- make this distinction for, for listeners. Can you tell people what a pivot or a double pivot, what does that mean, Brandon?
1: Yeah, so typically a double pivot, instead of there being one midfielder sitting in front of the defensive line, it typically is just, it's two Central midfielders who who play off of each other, rotate off of each other. They can make runs forward while the other sits back. So they're they're a little more versatile typically, um, in the sense that they uh, they're not just boxed into either being a progressive midfielder or a. Defensive midfielder. They're a little able to do a little bit more. So,
0: and some of the most famous examples of teams that that use a double pivot. One of the players tends to shade more in attack. One tends to shade more defensively as a as a destroyer. And I think Colin fernandez We would both agree is more of that kind of destroyer role. He's. He can yeah. get forward, but he's also a, a player who really wants to get in the middle of things and muck things up and break up play when the other team has the ball and, and press. And
1: Without a doubt, he's going to be that guy. And if we yeah. if does go with this, if one central defensive midfielder, he's that for sure. Here's what Kaler had to say. Do you want a guy who can play anywhere in the midfield?
0: So does the rest of the league. And Fernandez can do that. At Tulsa, he was a good passer who seemed to be connecting the play from side to side more than anything else. Defensively, he was fine. Same with him going forward. Where Colin will stand out is as somebody who will keep the ball under control for this Spokane side. Fingers crossed. I'll take that. Okay, here we go. This is a big one. I think this has been the marquee signing so far for this team. Talking about none other than Luis Hill, 5'9", 155-pound midfielder. He's now 30 years old, came from Garden Grove, California. Played in the very famous IMG Soccer Academy. Think Landon Donovan, Freddie Adu, Michael Bradley, Josh Sargent, Eddie Johnson, players like that. They played at IMG Soccer Academy. Very highly touted youth player in U.S. soccer. He was a generation Adidas contract in 2010 with the MLS. I could get into the details of what that means, but it's one of the many, many stupid, dorky things that the MLS does. They have these special contracts that they create. This one happens to have a brand attached to it to just show you how ridiculous the MLS is, but I digress. His rights were won by the Kansas City Wizards via a weighted lottery, think NBA draft, but he agitated for a West Coast team and he ended up with Real Salt Lake. Uh, between 2010 and 2015, he played a lot of soccer. Had 134 appearances, scored 12 goals, had a, had six assists during that time. And from 2016 to 2022, bounced around a lot. He was in league at He was in the USL. He was in the Czech Republic. He was even in NISA, NISA, lower league in the United States soccer system that I wasn't even aware of until about three months ago. Um, In 2022 to 2023, he settled in, played with Union Omaha and was one of their, by far their most important players. Made 49 appearances, scored three goals, had nine assists. And had uh, also had two caps for U- the US national team, another 62 appearances for the US uh, national youth teams has logged 18,800 minutes as a professional soccer player. Brandon Mays, take it away. Luis Hill, what do you think about this guy?
1: <laughs> this is such- where it
0: all began, by the way. I want the listener to know this is where it began with you and I. You posted yeah. a, a chart of this man's statistics from Scout, and you were like, this dude does everything in attack and was like one of the most important attacking players in USL League One last year.
1: Luis Hill is, he, he's incredibly talented obviously. At, you know, depending agree the teams he's played for uh really high quality player um what i love about Luis heel is he's just he's so forward thinking that's a lot of what you're going to get he's going to obviously this skews a little bit because he played for union omaha so like you can tell obviously either a they're making him a little more forward or b he's just a perfect fit because that's exactly what they love to do they just like to get the ball and like get it forward as fast as possible and obviously he played in a more attacking role and he was feeding people like Noe Meza and Joe Brito who are now obviously at the tier above so he was feeding some really really talented players but there there is probably a few people who can uh, play a ball into the box in a way that you wouldn't expect like Luis Hill in this league In fact I have like a I do some data work in terms of for, for League one where I try to determine which midfielders are doing certain things. And one of them is like this, I, I call it the incisive role. So I have a bunch of data that I pull together and basically it's all really important attacking stuff, like getting it into the box, getting shot, cysts, key passes, that kind of thing. All the mm-hmm. important things that make a, a really, uh, progressive minded, um, you know, assist garnering midfielder, he wins like by a landslide, he got a hundred, right? Like mm-hmm. he scored a hundred out of a hundred on that, uh, on that list. And so. Uh, You got a guy there who is going to play the ball forward automatically. He's going to be thinking forward. He's going to be looking to get that ball into the box. He's going to be looking for Josh Doling. He's not really one of those guys who's going to, he can do it. Obviously, most pro players can carry the ball. They can, they can beat a man, that kind of thing. He's not the kind of guy who's going to be carry first, look to, look to cause chaos with his feet. He's going to look to break lines and uh, Mm -hmm. get the ball into dangerous areas for other people to do that dirty work. And when you're, you know, when you're our age, me and Luis heal, we're not going to be running like that, you know, like, we just don't have time for that. So... Uh, he's definitely looking for other people to do that dirty work, but he he has does such a good job of getting the ball there that like, they really don't even have to do much anyways.
0: This should be the time where I I step in and and put Brandon on the defensive about saying that somebody who's 30 should feel old, but I'm going to, I'm going to let that one pass. I think most (laughs) listeners know they can make an educated guess about where I'm at age wise. So I wish I was 30, my man. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I will tell you this much, Brandon, you just got me super stoked. And I think this is like a signal of intent signing Mm -hmm. and Lee Viedman has made only a couple comments publicly about the style of play that he intends to bring to this club. But entertainment has been used more than once by him to describe what he wants to bring. He wants to put a product on the pitch that people want to pay to see. So signing a guy like Luis Hill, knowing that a player like Josh Doling needs proper service should give everybody a lot to be excited about. I have him just my notes were that he's nailed on in the first team as a 10 or a winger for the velocity every single game where he's fit. I would guess that he'd be used evenly as a central attacking midfielder or what's called the 10. Or as a winger, because that's where he was used um, for Union Omaha. But again, that's just speculation. That's where I have him, um, just a sneak preview. It's obvious that I have him slotted in as the number 10 in uh, Lee Viedman's first 11. Here's what Kaler had to say. He's okay. That's about it. But in all seriousness, Hill is a true 10 who can moonlight as a striker if needed. Hill showed to be one of the best attacking midfielders in the USL last season. His passing is truly sublime. And the ability to put pressure on a goalkeeper... Whether through a shot or a cheeky pass was something truly incredible to watch. Get ready to watch him put opposing back lines in a blender. Well said, Kaler. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Another very exciting player. Let's talk about Andre Lewis, five foot 10 inch, 146-pound midfielder. I don't know if any of these weights are accurate, but I'm pretty sure that the heights are accurate. Just want to throw that out there. If Andre Lewis is actually 146 pounds, that's a pretty slight dude, but I don't know. Maybe he is. Anyway, he's 29 years old. He was born in Spanish town, Jamaica. He spent his youth career with the Jamaican Premier League teams, Cavalier FC and Portmore United. He was taken as the seventh overall pick in the 2014 MLS Super Draft by the Vancouver Whitecaps, one of three Jamaican players taken in the first round, I might add, including the number one overall pick, goalkeeper Andre Blake. In 2016, he signed with the Portland Timbers 2. In 2019, he went back to Portmore United in Jamaica, where he had three goals and 22 appearances. Then came back to the USL with the Colorado switchbacks of the USL championship, where he made 40 appearances, scored six goals, had another six assists. And then in 2022... He signed for another USL Championship team called Hartford Athletic, where he made 63 appearances, logged over 4,400 minutes, and had eight goals and six assists. He's clearly comfortable with the level of play in the USL Championship. He made uh, 14 appearances for Jamaican uh, national youth teams and three caps with the senior team. Prolific player, comfortable anywhere in central midfielder in central midfield, rather as a six, an eight, a ten. I, th- I think this is a really exciting player. Also, clearly pretty durable. He's played a lot of minutes. So what do you think about this player, Brandon?
1: Yeah, no, I think this is another one of those signals of intent. Uh, mm-hmm. When you get someone like Andre Lewis, and it also gives legs to your 4-3-3 theory, I think. Um, I mean, he's an excellent ball carrier. Say that one more time. It does what to the four three three theory? It gives some credence to your four three three theory. I think that uh, that uh, if if you are going to play a four three three, it's he makes it more likely just because mm-hmm. he he's an excellent ball carrier. He's going to help carry the ball forward out of defense into the attack. He's got a great shot on him outside the box. Interesting. Um, okay. And so, and you are going to see a good bit of that. He's going to take from from just what I've seen in the past and kind of the data that I see. He's going to take a lot of shots above average. First for central midfielders. He's going to get, you know, and he, they're dangerous. Mm. Um, and so while he's not going to be as incisive, as far as uh, passes go, as Luis Heel is, uh, he's going to provide a lot of service and he's going to create a lot of chaos. I think in the, in the final third, and especially bringing it forward into the final third, um, attracting opponents to make space for other attackers.
0: I have him down as nailed on as a starter. Most likely are the right side of a midfield three in front of Colin Fernandez. But again, he now let's ask the question. Could a player like Andre Lewis team up with Colin Fernandez to play in a double pivot? Didn't I mean, you point that out to me? I thought you were saying something about how he was used in a role like that. Did was, I miss? Okay. Yeah,
1: no, we did talk about that. He was used Uh, in a double pivot here and there. It wasn't super often. Uh, He was a little, you know, he was obviously with Hartford, especially a little more forward thinking at times, but it was actually at Hartford too, where he ended up in double pivot. When they played a back three, you got two midfielders. He's going to be one of them, but I have a feeling that he'll play a little more forward.
0: Here's a Kaler had to say about Andre Lewis. Lewis is another midfielder who can play anywhere. He played defensive midfield at Hartford, but that felt more like a team who needed him to defend because nobody else could. Sorry for that Hartford. The Jamaican international can still get up and down the pitch and be a true box to box guy or be a number eight who can be your line breaker that wears down a back line over time with pass after pass to that final third. Okay. Exciting player. I would say that he's, on the short list of the most exciting players that have been signed so far. Without a doubt. Speaking of exciting players, I can't help but say this next player is having watched the scrimmage that, that I got to see portions of from outside the fence. Grayson DuPont, five foot, eight inch, 165 pound midfielder. He's also 26. He was born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama, which by the way, our friend Kaylor Hodges is from Birmingham, Alabama. I just wanna point that out. Grayson played his college soccer at the University of New Mexico, then transferred home to the University of Alabama in Birmingham where he scored three goals in 25 appearances. Uh, In college, he played for a League Two team called Brazos Valley Cavalry, which is now called Twin City Toucans. Come on, how can you not love these League Two names, man? (laughs) I wanna do a whole thing. On just the names. I know everybody gets into crests, and that's fine. I get it. But the names alone are incredible. Yeah. They're wild in 2022 he signed for the usl championship birmingham legion in his hometown where he made 22 appearances but only logged to 200 minutes he was used entirely as a substitute never made a start for the legion he was loaned out to mls next pro team fc cincinnati 2 where he made only one start as a central attacking midfielder once his loan expired the legion released him and he signed for the velocity a few months later it's hard to imagine him being anything other than a squad player trying to earn an occasional start. I had that as an early note and I don't know if I agree with that anymore. So without saying anything else about this player, what do you have on Mr. DuPont?
1: Yeah, I don't, he didn't do enough minutes. It didn't get enough minutes to get any like reasonable data. (laughs) Mm-hmm. What from watching him, the one thing I know is like that dude can beat anybody in the wide areas. Like that man's a monster with the ball <laughs> on his feet, uh, especially out wide. Even if he's a sub, like I'm just trying to imagine Grayson DuPont coming in in the 85th minute. Oh, my like, goodness. The spark rip. off
0: the bench. Yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh. there. I mean, There are a few people I've seen at, you know, who are getting that few minutes who can do that with the ball. He's just so good at beating anybody in his way. The one thing I will note when he played for FC Cincinnati uh, in that more central role, I did notice that he uh, he still tried to do that whole beat everybody thing, mm. and he ran into a lot of trouble with that, and um, lost the ball a lot because of that. Because so, it's,
0: it's more congested in the middle of the park, yeah. and if you if you try to get cute in there, you're you're probably going to lose the ball. I see.
1: Well, and that's kind of like as far as I know, from what I've seen. Again, and I haven't like I admittedly have not seen a ton. Um, that's his main strength is his, Interesting. And, and his ability to beat a man. He's got a shot on him, uh, from what I've seen, like it's, it's pretty powerful, but not like, uh, not in that's by no means what he's best at. What he's best at is getting past players and, uh, you know, making space to create a chance. If he can beat somebody and get in product. Then he's going to be one of the most dangerous players on the team.
0: When I saw him in the scrimmage where first of all, he scored a goal. He was confident on the ball, very eager to link up. His ideas were always a step or two ahead of his teammates, it seemed like. But that's probably just an indication that they need time to play together. I think I have a note that, and it's interesting that you mentioned what happened when he played in the middle of the pitch, but I saw a tendency that he might overrun the ball at times and that his finishing is just not there. But you could say that about probably almost every USL player, regardless of the tier. If they could finish, they'd probably be playing somewhere else. The other thing I really liked about him was his work rate. I mean, he was pressing like a fiend all over the opposing fullback and winger in the scrimmage that I watched. I really liked his work rate. I thought that was that was noteworthy. But I agree with you. From everything I saw, it looked like that's a player who needs some space to operate. And if he does, he can he can cook defenders. Kaler, you know, obviously knows a lot about him being from Birmingham. He had quite a bit to say, unsurprisingly. Uh Grayson at least how the Legion used him was more uh, as a winger. He's a great athlete with good technicals. He was always blocked by one or two other wingers at the club to get regular minutes, but he showed amazing flashes. He's a fun, technical player who really never never got time to develop. He was when he was on a roll, super technical player, difficult to dispossess, while his passing and shooting left a little to be desired at times. Much of that came down to match fitness, not actual ability. Grayson is a player whose numbers won't stick out in his time at the championship, but he can be a truly impressive player when you watch the film. Totally agree. Really, really interested to see what, how he's used and when. So that'll be interesting to talk about him when we talk about a hypothetical first 11 for this team. Okay. This is a fun one. Our second of three Missouri State College players, Jack Denton, five foot 10, 160 pound midfielder. He's 25. He was born in Wexham. No, I did not say Wrexham. Wrexham is in Wales. Wexham is in England, which is a parish west of London near Slough. That's the home of the fictional Wernham hog in the original BBC office. If you've ever seen that show, I love the original office. Just want to confess my bias. I, I thought it was incredible. i so funny. Six miles west of Hillingdon, by the way. So he grew up pretty close to Josh Doling Um, He played in Reading FC's Youth Academy in England and was, again, another Missouri State player, has had the second most career starts in school history. He was a Missouri Valley Conference Midfielder of the Year in 2022 and 2023, and he was an all-conference player four times. By the way, the Missouri Valley Conference is a legit soccer conference in in soccer. I just want to point that out. On the Kick-A-Ball podcast, shout out, I listened to his interview with with the dude who who runs that podcast, and I got the impression he's a six but could play more advanced, too. He talked about his interest in playing uh, progressive football, making passes between the lines. If you watch the tape on this kid, He's he's got some free kicks in him. He's a great passer, just looks class. Mm-hmm. So other than that, yeah. What do you think? What what did you what did you see on Jack Dent? You seemed excited before we recorded. So what do you have on Jack?
1: Yeah, he's he's the one player who's coming in who I think just, just based off of, you know, honestly, vibes and what I've seen, is gonna get compete for minutes, uh and mm-hmm. starting minutes. So incredibly talented midfielder. I th- he I think he technically was their six at Missouri State, but uh in other Uh, Now league one signing Pascal Corvino, who played left back would often kind of drift inside and it gave him space to roam up while he was technically their six more of a defensive player. He realistically among Missouri Valley, midfielders he didn't do that much defending i mean like he, mm-hmm. his, he just part of that is also missouri state was incredible and they didn't yep. you know they had the ball a lot more than <laughs> they're, a lot of other, they're really good yeah. yeah a lot of other teams but um consistently he, ranked
0: in the top 25 in the country like in top 20 yeah
1: yeah you've got a player who is great at carrying the ball he's another player i think he's better than grace and through the middle he's got a kind of that similar idea. He's always For thinking sure. steps ahead. Funny enough, he actually played with Josh Doling. That's how long he's been playing with Missouri State. He played with Josh Doling when Josh yep. Doling was still in college. He's always been super talented. You've you've always been able to see since he started in 2019 that he was going to be one of those players who went pro. And uh, I think, honestly, this is a big get for Lee Beaton.
0: Josh just needs that service, man. That's, that's what it's all about. We've got the same similar notes. I, I, I keep saying that, but it's, it's the reality. It's, it's a good thing that we're finding consensus on these guys. Utility knife midfielder. I think he'll be the understudy to somebody like Colin Fernandez and also Luis Hill. Like Here's what Kayler has to say. Who doesn't love yet another Missouri State alum? Denton is a player who always found himself in the middle of the action. Much like Fernandez, he found himself as a play extender not a play finisher. His defense is the impressive part of his games. He was never afraid to take on an attacker. And if he was taking somebody on, he won seventy percent of the time. Impressive stuff. That's a great. I I don't know where he pulled that. Seventy percent of his take ons were successful. That's 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 awesome. So
1: that's what I love about him is he is as far as like mental stuff goes. Like I've never seen someone if they lose the ball more eager to win that ball back than Jack did. Like that mm-hmm. man, he throws himself into tackles perfectly when he is defending. He's just a hound for the ball, and I think that's it's going to be big.
0: Okay, Brandon, we made it through the midfielders. Now we're in the defenders. Let's start with a massive player, Marcelo Lage, six foot five inch, 185 pound defender. Going to play center back. Let's just get that out there right now. 23 years old, born in Middleton, Massachusetts, played in New England Revolutions Youth Academy also played for the Boston Bolts of the USL League 2, played college soccer for George Washington before being transferred to Coastal Carolina, where he made 43 appearances, scored eight goals for Coastal Carolina. And I I just had a note, presumably played in an attacking role or maybe not? Question mark. We'll come back to that. In 2021 and 2022, after college, he played with Chicago FC United and the Boston Bolts of USL League 2. Made only 11 appearances though, but in 2023, he signed his first professional contract with Las Vegas Lights of the USL Championship, made 27 appearances, scored four goals, and they were all from corners, all headers. It's clearly a threat to score goals on set pieces owing to his six foot five inch frame. And he scored his first professional goal in a 4-1 loss against the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in May of last year. What do you have on Mr. Marcelo Lodge, Brandon,
1: the poor guy. He had the toughest job in us soccer playing defense for Las Vegas last year. Yeah. Let's Um, let
0: everybody know that Las Vegas lights were terrible. They were, they were a dumpster fire and then they, they they're no longer a team.
1: Yeah. He's, he's super capable. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it. you got a guy who has been battle tested more than anybody else that you could have possibly. Seen, <laughs> and he came out better for it. Um, yeah,
0: he can he stepped off the, uh, airplane to come to Spokane wearing a helmet. So yeah, yeah he was like, ready. He, he
1: was, yeah. I'm sure he's got a little bit of stuff to work through on that, but, uh, <laughs> no, I, he's, he's really talented. He's, he's obviously a big guy. He's really good in the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that goes without saying, I guess, right? Scores four goals uh, in one season. I think that's going to be the big They're
0: all corners, all headers. Only one of them was off of a secondary action from the corner. The rest were just direct from a corner kick. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that's, <laughs> I mean, you're you start with, with the next defender, too. Like, Lee uh, has Tormenta syndrome, it looks like, where like you have to sign defenders that are 6'4 or taller.
0: Here's what Kaler had to say about him. Laj is a player at only 23, who is one of the few bright spots on a very bad Las Vegas lights team. He provides depth across left center back, right center back, right back. As a center back, he's a guy who is comfortable with the ball at his feet. He's a decent passer. He's also a hyper aggressive ball hawk who wants to spring the counter at any chance he can.
1: That's something I'll be interested to see too, that passing, because again, Las Vegas is not known for their build-up play. If mm-hmm. you know, if he can get more involved in the build-up, it'll be really interesting to see how flexible and how how far he can stretch that passing.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of Las Vegas, Brandon Mays, Ahmed Longmire, six foot three inch, 190 pound defender, 24 years old, grew up in Las Vegas, played college soccer for Utah Valley where he was first team all Western athletic conference transferred to UCLA, where he was made the PAC 12 all conference, second team in 2021. He was the 10th pick of the 2022 MLS super draft taken by Nashville SC in 2022. He was loaned out to orange County SC of the orange County is a, a, USL championship team where he started three games in 2023 Signed with Huntsville City of MLS Next Pro, where he made 11 appearances and eight starts. So early in his career, still, what do you know about Ahmed Longmire, Brandon?
1: Yeah, so Ahmed's another guy who he had a lot of promise, right? Like looked like he could be a, a, an MLS caliber player, um, and just didn't didn't hit the ground running. Which honestly, though, that's the uh, that seems to be the vibe for Nashville signing defenders out of Mm. college lately is like they they draft these players and um, they get them in preseason and they end up going somewhere else I mean the the thing about him is he's really smart he's got really good positional sense and so you're going to see it. like he's really good at cutting play cutting out plays Uh, there is there's not going to be anybody who uh, you know I think in the league who's going to be quite as smart at cutting out passes as this guy this is
0: wild I just have to step in it's almost like you and Kayler read each other's notes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what here's a, here's what Kaylor says he's saying the same things you are Longmire is a center back center back he's an aerial threat who will contest any ball in the air and win aerial duels at a solid clip in his short professional career he's also proven to be a positional center back who can win the ball without risking a foul in a dangerous area Mm-hmm. So yeah. sounds like a really smart player.
1: Yeah, he's really smart. And I think that's going to be the big thing is compared to Lodge, who's probably going to be a little more aggressive. Has to, you know, again, play for Las Vegas. He's got a lot, a lot to get out. <laughs> um, and so he's going to be the guy who's going to kind of steady the, steady the defense and, um, and kind of prevent those, those passes through the lines, between the lines. I think personally, he's, he's the starter. Uh, Unless y'all sign somebody else, uh, Ahmed's the starter. Um, You have to imagine that
0: Gareth Smith and Lee Viedman both saw something they really like about him and twice here.
1: Yeah. Without a doubt.
0: We've only got a few, few left here, man. We're doing good. Are you doing okay?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm hanging
0: in. We're doing drum roll for this guy. Roman Metanier, five foot, 10 inch, 160 pound defender, He's 33 years old. He turns 34 in March, by the way, born and raised in Metz, which is in the northeast of France. He joined FC Metz Youth Academy at age six and played with them in Ligue 1 in France. Look, this guy played in Ligue 1 and Ligue 2 for FC Metz and Stade de Reims. He made 241 appearances between those two clubs. Like, my God, the pedigree of this man is unbelievable. In 2019, he came to the MLS and played for Minnesota United and was a 2019 MLS All-Star, made 77 appearances, logged 6,500 minutes in three seasons for Minnesota United. In 2023, he went back to Europe and played in Belgium's second division for RFC Saran and made 10 appearances, started all of them, but wanted to return to the United States, the story goes, to join his family. And I just can't quite fathom Having a player like this, it's like Ashley Young, who is 38 years old and was starting in Premier League games like not too long ago, like as in this season. OK, if, if he can 33, a young 33, like <laughs> before I, I say anything else, what do you what do you have on on Oumong Metanir?
1: No, I think he kind of links everything together that we've been talking about this whole time. There was one, I think, at the very beginning, we were talking about the need for, uh, you know, someone like Josh Doling. To have service. service, uh, he's going to thrive off crosses into the box, and there is no one that's going to do that better than than me I mean, like that's what he's known for, you know. Like his <laughs> his crossing is probably his best attribute in Belgium this past season. Even though was, you know his limited appearances, eight hundred something minutes, he was doing like four point five crosses a game that were going into the box. And he was the highest completion defend like the the defender with the most completed crosses in the league. Wow. He was completing crosses at 53 percent for a game. Wow. We're completing like that's that's absurd. I did not
0: not know this about him. So holy cow. So at right back, we've got a guy who's going to have all this experience, 241 appearances in Ligue 1, Ligue 2 in France. Like, so for people who don't know, Ligue 1 is the top flight of France. That's PSG, Kylian Mbappe. That's like, right? Just that this is a player. If we're talking about providing service to Josh Doling, holy cow, this is one. So, yeah. and we're going to get to the other one, but all right. <laughs> I'm so stoked about this guy. I can't even talk about it. I'm starting to like sweat a little bit. This is like so. This is so exciting. He's ours. He's never played in the USL, but if he's our Ashley Young, this guy could play until he's 35, 36 and be an absolute baller. By all accounts, he was great for Minnesota United. Worst case scenario, he is an outstanding mentor for young fullbacks like Javier Martin Hill or even Derek Waldeck, frankly, because this guy's got more minutes and more pedigree than anyone else on this team. Here's what Kaylor had to say. Roman is a longtime League 1, League 2 player who came to the United States to extend his career. The 33-year-old is still getting minutes for his home nation of Madagascar. The thing that impresses me is what he does defensively. He doesn't fluff his lines too often. When he does lose a ball, his recovery after the mistakes is makes it a no harm, no foul type of situation. So in addition to the crossing, he's also a really competent defender. So that's our guy. Very exciting. Okay. That brings me to his apprentice, Javier Martin Hill, who is a six foot, 163 pound defender and fullback, right fullback, I should say, born in Madrid. He was a youth player for Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Rio Vallecano. He started every game for Missouri State University between 2022 and 2023. Yes, I just said Missouri State University. I buried the lead. This dude is the third of three players we're going to talk about in this podcast. Javier Martin Hill was an all-Missouri Conference first-team player in 2022 and made the second team in 2023. I've got notes, but I want to start with you. I just watched his highlight tapes from all three years of college, and I have many thoughts about this player. What do you, what do you think, Brandon?
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it simple. I'll let you, I'll let you do this, but... Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same type of thing, man. He's a, he's a great defender uh obviously again with Missouri State a lot of your defense is uh you know kind of high uh you know trying to trying to make interceptions try to keep the ball in that attacking half he's yep. really great high, at the high press Yep, he's really great at getting forward um he was a big part of the attack and he's gonna he's really great with the ball at his feet so I think he'll be I don't know that he'll be this, he, won't, he won't be the starter. Let's let's just clear the air there. He won't be the starter. No, so, so long 20. as Metanier is fit, yeah.
0: He's a great backup. Can he play on the left? Okay, actually, I have thoughts. Here we go. This is what I saw in this dude's tape. And I, I watched a lot. For some reason, he's one of the players when I saw his college tape, I was like, I want to watch more and more and more because I just found him really intriguing. He's mm-hmm. long, rangy, has a good motor. I suspect he has average pace, but he'll go to ground. He'll put in a tackle. He also sees the game at an absolutely elite level ball recovery, sniffing out danger. Now, how much of that is that this kid from Madrid who's playing soccer in the Missouri Valley Conference, no shade. I know Missouri Valley Conference is competitive in, in college soccer in the United States, but when he faces better competition, but I don't know, League One is 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 not going to be wildly surpassed like some of the stuff that this kid has seen. So his vision, his his read of the game is truly elite. And that's the part of, of his play that that made me feel really excited.
1: I think you're 100% right. He's a r- huge talent. And it's again, it's another one of those where- where like if he gets a decent number of minutes, even if he doesn't get decent number of minutes, people are going to have their eyes on him. He's already signed with the league one team so quickly that it shows that he was kind of like already before MLS camps were even really kicking off. So that's big.
0: You'd have to imagine that. Any, anyone scouting him as a potential player just saw the tape and thought, oh, this guy can absolutely play in League One. You know, mm-hmm. um, The question I had is this. Could he play in midfield? Maybe I have a bit of a physique bias. The fact that he's six foot, 163 pounds, but he looks like he could be a box to box midfielder the way he played. I don't know. Maybe there's... A, I'm I'm missing something. But when I watched his play, you know, keeping in mind the trend of fullbacks inverting and joining midfield anyway, and I get that, right? It's like, is he... Could he play midfield? I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. Could he play midfield?
1: I mean, so... And that's the thing about Missouri State. It's like, that was super common for them. Literally, Pascal was, was their left back. And we're signing him as a midfielder at Greenville. Just FYI there. Oh, so, he went to Greenville. Thank you.
0: Pascal yeah. Corvino went to, went to Greenville.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so he he was their left back, but now he's signing for us as a midfielder. Mm. Um, So I think it's kind of the same vibe, obviously on the right side, they didn't do that as often. Uh, It was definitely more of a left-sided thing for, for some reason for, Missouri State, same kind of thing. Those players, they were kind of trained to be able to, to, to drift inside. I definitely think in a pinch, <laughs> you know, sure. I don't think that he's... Yeah, he, I definitely think in a pinch, he could fill in there. He's just one of those
0: players, I don't know that he's a finished product at fullback as a professional player. I'll be very curious to see if that's how he ends up being used, especially if he's capable And Roland has that position nailed down. And it's like, we need to get this guy in the pitch because he he could do a job for us. So here's what Kaler had to say. One of the 1,000 players that Missouri State has sent pro in the last three years, he set himself apart with some truly incredible passing. He's a fun technical player who can win on the dribble and play with the midfield for some fun one-twos along the way. Javier Martin Hill. On the other side, at left back, we have Derek Waldeck. Five foot, eight inch, 150 pound, 26 years old, born in Santa Clarita, California, which is north of Los Angeles, played college soccer for Stanford and won two national championships. Was a first team all Pac 12 player as a senior. He made 89 appearances and scored six goals for Stanford in 2018 to 2019. He played a handful of games for the Southern California Seahorses it's another one of those USL League Two teams, was taken with the 66th pick of the 2020 MLS Super Draft by FC Dallas. And between 2020 and 2022, played for North Texas SC, which was a League One affiliate of FC Dallas at the time, made 56 appearances, logged 4,300 minutes, had a goal and six assists. In 2022, he signed with Greenville Triumph in League One, our friend Brandon's favorite team, where he started nine games at left back. But then in 2023, he joined an expansion team, One Knoxville made 30 start, made 30 appearances, started 29 of those, had six assists, four as a left back uh, or left midfielder, and two as a right sided midfielder. So let's talk about Derek Waldeck. I have many thoughts, but it's your time. What do you have on him, Brandon?
1: I really like Derek. He kind of goes back to that same thing, freeing up Jack Denton to move forward because. Derek's actually a really versatile player at North Texas. Fun fact, he was actually their captain. You could see there's a possibility that he could fight for that or or have a captain's role on the team. He signed halfway through the season at Greenville after we had a big injury crisis at left back. Um, and he, for whatever reason, became available, even though he was the captain at North Texas about halfway through the season. And so we signed him uh, just in time for a game and he started basically the rest of the season and uh yeah he's a really talented player really versatile can play center mid he's really technical i think mm-hmm. one one of my favorite things about Derek Waldeck again is that service he provides really good crosser of the ball uh especially from deep creating a dangerous chance from nothing almost and so someone like josh billings gonna thrive on that yeah other than yeah, that we're talking about with uh roman
0: on the other side it's like this the both of these fullbacks are going to be capable of providing a lot of service, bombing down the wing and whipping in crosses. So... Yeah. Josh Doling, just get your hat on a couple of those things, man. Let's get this thing started. I'd say one of the most important signings, frankly. Going to be the starting left back. Accurate, confident left foot. I would expect him to take corners, set pieces. Took the majority of Knoxville's corners and set pieces from what I could tell. Calling on Josh Doling, Marcel Lage, Get on the end of those things. He could probably play on either side and even in midfield. But this dude is definitely a prototypical left back. I, this is my, my question, Mark. And I'm going to ask you about this, Brandon. Defensively, I expect him to stay in front of opponents but maybe not go to ground very often. I don't see much evidence of uh, being a strong tackler. He seems like a truly attack-minded fullback. He loves to distribute the ball, even in tight spaces. Again, he's got that kind of midfielder's mentality. He should invert very capably has every pass in his bag, but I definitely didn't see a lot of mixtape for him defending and going to ground and, and tackling. I mean, you know, when you're watching a highlight of a fullback and they keep showing like these random interceptions where he just happened to be there and maybe there was an errant pass. It's like, I don't know if that's an, an exemplary defense so much as the, your opponent made a mistake. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. what do you think of him defensively? Am I being harsh or
1: so, does it not matter necessarily? Cause he'll have cover. I think that's, if, if he has the cover, then it's fine I think he's smart enough to know like again one of the big things was he played left wing back for Knoxville this past year not not fullback and so mm-hmm. like, get a lot more freedom than he might this year so that would that would be again kind of a, a question mark to your question mark almost is like yeah gonna do with that loss of freedom
0: yeah very confident on the ball i mean this dude likes to take on defenders likes to go around people imagining him link up if if there's with overlapping runs with a player like grayson like it they they could be terrifying on overloads on the left side so really really great signing i think um kayler put it really well here waldeck is another usl league one pro who is a quality left back wing back option he's a player that can provide a cross from the wider area but as a passer, he's wonderful in putting pressure on back lines with quality balls in the final third. Okay. We made it through the defenders. We only have two players left, Brandon. And I don't think either one of us are going to have much to say about goalkeepers. But we're going to do our best because that's what we do. That's what we do. Okay. Goalkeepers. I actually have a lot to say about this first one. Carlos Marancio. Six foot two inch. 187 pound goalkeeper. He's a big dude. I saw him uh, in person. This is He's a he's a big six two. 25 years old, born in Promocio, Mexico, played in youth academy of a couple Mexican professional clubs, including CF Monterey, made his USL debut with FC Tucson of USL League Two, uh, where he made 22 starts and had three clean sheets. He joined Hartford Athletic of the USL Championship in 2021 but only made one appearance. And I assumed that might've been because of COVID shortened seasons and God knows what else he returned to Tucson in 2022 and started 31 more games for them, or he had five clean sheets in 2023, he signed with Rio Grande Valley FC in the USL championship that club no longer exists. And he made seven starts, kept one clean sheet and then uh Rio Grande Valley ceased operations in December. And then three weeks later he signed with the Spokane velocity. So, before we get into any of the particulars, do you have thoughts on Carlos Marancio?
1: Uh Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a quality keeper. He's definitely like you kind of mentioned, he's one of those yo-yo guys. He's gone out to the championship, gone back down to league one. There's clearly something that people see, right? Like mm-hmm. he's honestly, he's great shot, stop, shot stopper. He's okay at distribution uh, from what I've seen. And again, you know, and a lot of the, he played for Tucson and Tucson has not necessarily been known either for uh, their strong defense. And so he he had to deal with a lot. He was he was under fire a lot, and I think that was a good bit of why you know, some of his numbers don't look great, uh, simply because he was dealing with a lot of trash. Uh, <laughs> it like, was like the Las Vegas lights of yeah.
0: I was going to say uh, it sounds similar to what Marcelo Laj was dealing with.
1: Yeah. And and they're, that's the thing. Tucson's probably, was probably in a better spot than Las Vegas was there are a lot more talented players in that team. Um, but for some reason they just couldn't get it together. And so, um, yeah, he was dealing with a ton of pressure all the time talking about guys who are, you know, all throughout this killer has been talking about guys who test keepers, like Mm -hmm. Carlos has been tested more than anyone in the world. Like the dude has taken so many tests. Um, And yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see him settle in with Spokane, especially if he's got people like, you know, Longmire and, and Marcelo Lodge in front of him. He's, he's decent at coming for crosses. So not like he's going to need that very often, apparently with those two in front of him, but
0: Carlos had a pretty respectable save percentage in league two of 66%. You talked about how much uh, fire he was under, but he, he a- accounted of himself quite well. Here is hey, what Taylor do. had to say about him. Browns is he- a keeper who has a ton of West coast, USL league one experience while he underperformed his XCG, which means expected conceded goals, much of that came down to timid positioning thanks to a lack of game time. While in Tucson, he was a good shot stopper with many of those saves coming from good positioning. His short passing was good and rarely put his back line under pressure. I've seen some some tape, and the thing that just definitely stands out is if they can get the positioning correct, if he can get help from his back line, the shot stopping is there. So uh, that's the thing that st- stood out to me. Is he's a, he's a, he looks like a, an above average, maybe even uh, a great shot stopper. So that's what we have on Carlos Morantio. This next player, the backup goalkeeper, and I'm sorry to this, this gentleman that we're doing him last because it makes it seem like we're the least interested in him. Frankly, I just don't know anything about him because he's, um, he's brand new. He, he only started five games for one Knoxville last year, and that's Peter Swinkles. He is a six foot, one inch, 181 pound goalkeeper. He graduated from San Francisco state in 2019. He started 42 matches, had 17 clean sheets, 74% Seventy-four percent career save percentage, eighty-seven percent as a junior. Those are just ridiculous numbers. So I don't know what kind of competition San Francisco State was facing, but that is a lot of clean sheets and that's a really high save percentage. So way early on this guy. I mean, if this is an absolute, who knows? Like w- what what capability he has? But obviously, if you if you think of Gareth Smith and Coach Lee Viedman, they saw something they liked.
1: Well, and so he actually played with one Knox too in the season before. When they were in USL League Two before they moved up, and he looked really good. Oh, we did. Um, I didn't have
0: did. that information. Shoot. Okay, he
1: yes. played with them the year before and um, looked really good. And he was their—I think he was their first signing for One Knox when they moved up to League One. Okay. Uh, a lot of people like him. He was well-liked out there. Definitely going to be the, that backup keeper. Needs some more time to sign it, settle in for sure. Nice.
0: Well, that is it, Brandon. We just made it to, through all 16 of these players. It took a little bit of time. We've been at this for a while, but before we get out of here, we are going to go through what we think a hypothetical Lee Viedman first 11 for the Spokane Velocity in 2024. If they had to pick a starting 11 from these first 16 players they've signed, what are we looking at? We're going to do this in a hypothetical 4-3-3 formation for no other reason that we think it's fun. Here we go. We're going to start at the back. I'm just going to go one at a time. And if if Brandon has anything to, to add or he wants to push back on some of my ideas, he can, he can do that. So we'll just go one at a time starting at the back. In goal, Carlos Marantzio, it's clearly his job. I think he's going to be the number one goalkeeper. Do you agree with that, Brandon? 100%. 100%. So Peter Swinkles will be backing up. Carlos Marantzio, who will be the starting goalkeeper. At left back... Derek Waldeck, That's the only answer there. I have as a backup, Reedy Pierre Reedy. Is that a is that a bad what? D- eh.
1: I mean, we could throw Kamarney Smith in there too if you really wanted. Oh, see. okay, interesting. <laughs> okay. okay, I like that. I like he that. Did
0: that, one, <laughs> <laughs> that one game. Yes, exactly. Because that one okay, That's right. I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me of the, the anomalous one start uh, for Kamarni Smith at left back. In the middle, center back, the pairing of Longmire and Lodge is the only two signs we've made. Okay. On the right, we've talked about it already. So we've already cheated on this, but Roma Metanier will be the starting right back. Javier Martin Hill will back him up, right? Mm-hmm. Let's get to the midfield. Midfield three, the single pivot sitting in front of those defenders. I've got Colin Fernandez being the starting number six, whose number is number six, by the way. I think that's noteworthy. I've got him being backed up by Jack Denton. That seem
1: fair? I think that's fair. Okay.
0: This is where it gets interesting T- to complete that midfield three on the left of the midfield three. I don't know if I like this now that we had our conversation, but I have currently Grayson DuPont mm-hmm. and I have on the other side, Andre Lewis. Mm. This is where it might get interesting. I've also got Morgan Hackworth as the backup to Lewis, but maybe, maybe Hackworth and Lewis, if I, if I had to do a starting 11 with the four, three, three right now, I just, I only have so many players.
1: Here's where I'm going to go. I'm going to be a little, uh, do it contrary here. I'm going to say Colin Fernandez at the base, Andre Lewis on the right, Jack Denton on the left. Oh,
0: that D- D- Denton will start over, over Grayson. I think so. And then yeah, it, that's that's that's, out, that's a really good shout. Yeah. That's a really good shout, especially after we did this preview and we both. And it seems like Taylor's on our side too with the thinking about Jack Denton being a, a really like talented player. Like, yeah, okay, I can see that. All right, so we've got in front of Colin Fernandez on the left, we've got Jack Denton on the right, we've got Andre Lewis. Okay, I like that. That's a good. That's a good midfield three, and the. Forward line. Here we go. On the left, I have Luis Hill. Josh Doling is the number nine. And on the right, I've got Kamarni Smith. And I don't know the right or the left for Luis Hill or Kamarni Smith. I'm not really sure. But I just have that that being the front three in any combination with with Josh Doling starting as the the, uh, center forward. That's exactly what I was going to say. Okay, left with with Hill or. I was going to switch them, but... Oh, so Smith on the left? Yeah. Yeah. Smith you you probably know more than I do. I think I just literally flipped a quarter when I, when I was putting those up there. So, dude, that's it. So we think that's... If you had to pick a starting 11 right now and put him in a 4-3-3, it's not like we have a lot of options, by the way. That leaves Morgan Hackworth is a potential first guy off the subs. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if Morgan Hackworth got into the starting 11 right now either.
1: I mean, if this is your starting 11 coming into the season, this is not a bad place to be at all interesting I mean, okay i i I think right now this is easy, this is a this is a good solid team. I don't know that you know obviously half these players are like especially kamarney Smith. Josh Doling—they're all players who have shown so much promise—and if they hit the ground running, they're going to be some of the most dangerous players in the league. If they still kind of middle a little bit, you know, obviously this could be a middle of the table team. I, who was I, who was
0: the coach? Did you see that in our our group chat of who was saying there was a coach who said don't sleep on Spokane? Like it that's was going to be probably Noco. Oh, it was. What's the coach's yeah. name from Noco? Uh, Amon
1: Zayed. That
0: was it. Was it was him that said that? So
1: if everybody can hit the ground running, you've got a terrifying team. Terrifying, and that's. key though i i feel like every single expansion team they if they can hit it early and get some confidence going early the sky's the limit when you're drawing against phoenix rising
0: And Sac Republic, that's those are some good results. Yeah,
1: (laughs) that's massive. Yeah, Um, then you've already got some good momentum, so that's exciting. I would be really excited about that if I was a a fan.
0: Yeah. Well, now that you have said it, I am super excited. Thank you, Brandon. This has been incredible. I can't thank you enough for your time, and I know our listeners are going to super appreciate it. The insights. It's been it's been remarkable, man. And I'd also say that speaking of our listeners and the supporters, like we also got to turn up. Everybody's got to turn up. Let's fill one stadium. That's going to make a huge difference too. Is if there's energy and vibe immediately combined with how they've done in these preseason games. And like you said, we hit the ground running. There's so much class on this team that we could surprise some people and be Let's shoot for mid table. I would love that. Brandon, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Before I let you go, Brandon, everybody be sure to follow Brandon. USL League One Review on Twitter. That's USL, the letter L, the number one review. Unbelievable information. And again, can't thank you enough. And until next time, thanks everyone for listening.